0: I want to thank you for joining me in Dynamic Web Church today. I do believe that you're going to be blessed, and this week that has passed, um, that's just passed, was a blessing, and that you were touched by the grace of God. If you went through a hard week, I've got good news for you. This is a time when you can sit back, relax, and enjoy God's word, enjoy God's attitude of love towards you. God loves us. God cares for us. God is a God that looks at the good that there is in our lives. And that good is what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf when He walked this earth. Hallelujah. I want to welcome everybody that is first-time viewers of Dynamic Web Church. May this just be a blessing to you. May you be touched by this ministry today. I would just like to give a short outline of today's program. First of all, we're going to just... um, give a short message on finances and just something that can encourage you. Then we're going to go into worship and then we're going to have our main service and uh, which basically, or main message which is about the book of James. So I'm very excited about this. I do believe that you're going to just experience blessing in this. And uh, we've been doing uh, two Sundays on the book of James already. So go and have a look at that. Go into the archives, look at that. That will just bless you. There's a lot of law-based stuff. That um, in the book of James, or that looks law based, that we interpret in the message of grace. So it's actually awesome if you can see it in the right perspective. Well, at the moment, we are in Zambia. This is a pre-broadcast, a pre-recording. So I've made this uh, a week and a half ago. <clears throat> at this moment, we are in Zambia, and I believe that everything uh, will be going well and because it's been a pre-broadcast. And uh, well, um, you can just. Be be waiting for our crusade report when we're back to just share with you everything that has happened in Zambia. The vision that we have is to implement our five-minute Bible school, to have a leadership conference, and then the mornings go out from house to house or hut to hut and just give the message of grace to people. Invite them to our Evening Crusade miracle meetings where we just share the gospel of grace and pray for the sick. Amen. Well... Um, let's open the Word of God in 2 Corinthians. Now you might say, you know, he's going to talk about finances. Why do you want to talk about finances? The reason why I talk about finances is so that you can experience grace in your finances. The reason why I talk about it is not to see how much money we can get into dynamic love ministries. I do believe that people are needed in the kingdom of God um, in this sense that God works through people to give finances to a ministry. But we don't want to uh, give you this idea that we just need your money, you know, we are chasing you, chasing after your money. That's not what we're after. We are after you understanding the principle of grace in the work of God. And the principle of grace is not sowing and reaping and tithing. The principle of grace is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Let's go to verse one, Second Corinthians eight, verse one. Moreover, brethren, we uh, we do you to what of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches in Macedonia, how that by great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they abounded unto the riches of their liberty. For to their power, I bear record, yes, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and to take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So, These people came and they gave money to the saints and uh, they gave gifts They, out of their poverty. Now, I am not for uh, taking up money from the poor, but like Paul here, was not against receiving finances that comes out of a willing heart and out of a foundation of it's a fruit of grace. That's how it works. So, if we go to verse 1, we will clearly see that Paul says he wanted the church in Corinth to know about the grace that God bestowed upon the churches in Macedonia so they could be givers even in great poverty. And then he said, and this is the whole thing about Second Corinthians 8 and 9, he said that we, you Corinthians has got the grace and received the grace to be enriched. But we also want you to have this grace that you can be rich in giving. So the act or the deed of giving flows out of grace. It flows out of the ministration of grace. And I want to define grace quickly. Grace is the influence that God has upon your life through what Jesus Christ has done. So if you can listen to the message of what Jesus has done on your behalf to the point that you find um, gratitude and, uh, let me get the correct English word there, a willing heart to give, generosity. If you can find generosity in your heart, when you read the gospel of what Jesus done about uh, done for you when He walked to earth, and out of that you find, yo, I feel generous and I want to give to people. That's what He's talking about here. That is called the grace of God bestowed upon somebody in order to give. And that's the, fu- that's the place from where we function. We want the fruit of the Spirit. We don't want the fruit of the law. Here, Paul came as an apostle inspired by God and he said to these people, Listen, we don't want to take your money but they by the Holy Spirit and by the fruit of the Spirit that was in their life lives said you will take what we want to give, we want to contribute. We are givers because the grace of God's upon us. He did not come and try to convince people out of tithing and sowing and reaping to give and then one day they are going to be blessed. No, no. Grace came upon them. Grace is the manifestation of who Jesus Christ truly is. And when they saw who Jesus was, they became like Him. And we are also going to look at that in the book of James today So What he says here And I want to read this to you How that in great trial and affliction The abundance of their joy and deep poverty They abounded unto the riches of their liberty So they were so free That not even poverty could keep them back from giving Man, isn't that awesome Now You might be somebody And the reason why I share this today Is that you can be free From a stingy heart You might be somebody that says I'm so stingy I can never give something away I'm always afraid to give because, you know, if I look at my situation, it always seems as if it's never enough. And um, I've seen people, if they've got nothing, they struggle to give. And then when they get a lot, they still struggle with a problem. So the problem is not how much they have. The problem is the fear that is in their hearts. Now, I'm not saying this to get money out of the ministry. This ministry prospers. This ministry is blessed. Amen. And I thank God for the people that faithfully give. But what we want you to have is to be free from stinginess if that's in your heart. So, we're not going to say get rid of your stinginess by giving to this ministry because that's not getting rid of stinginess. That is giving even if you're stingy. Getting rid of that uh, um, negative character trait, the thing that says I just want to cling to everything, which is actually called fear, comes through grace. So, I want to say to you, the only way that you're ever going to be free from that thing that says I don't want to give is number one don't walk in condemnation towards, uh, with condemnation in your heart number two go to the cross see what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross see that you don't prosper by your giving see that God is a God that gives to you freely because of Jesus Christ and as you hear that word and faith in that comes into your heart the fruit of believing in what Jesus has done for you financially is generosity Amen. So, don't try to get free by your giving. Your works can never set you free, but get a revelation of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to go into worship and just worship God for His unconditional love, how much He cares for us, how much He loves us, for He is a God that is truly a God of peace, righteousness, and joy. So, uh, let's go right into the worship. The, The words are on the screen. Sing with us. Enjoy this with us and we'll get into the Word of God right after the worship. Enjoy it.
1: My light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest droughts and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving seems my comforter. Flesh, fullness of God in hell, was faith. This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he can. When I find myself standing in the sun, I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. Knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah? Would I be able to speak it all?
2: to a thousand tongues, but there is one that sounds above them all. The Father's song, the Father's love, you sung it over me and for eternity it's written on my heart. Heaven's perfect melody, the Creator's symphony. You are singing over me, the Father's song. Heaven's perfect mystery, the King of love has sent for me. You're singing over me The Father's song I have heard so many songs Listened to a thousand times But there is one That sounds above them all Sounds above them all Father's song, the Father's love You sung it over me And for eternity It's written on my heart Heaven's perfect melody The Creator's symphony singing over me the Father's song Heaven's perfect mystery the King of love has sent for me and now you're singing over me the Father's song Song the Father's Love. You sung it over me and for eternity. It's written on my heart. It's written on my heart. You sing it all.
0: Well, wasn't that wonderful? I always enjoy the worship. Worship is good. Worship just opens our heart so that we can... Um, it opens our belief system because the words that we hear is touching to our heart. It's words of grace. It's words that says, man, it's, it, I hear the goodness of God. And when you hear goodness, you open up yourself. And that's just the way it works. So worship is wonderful. It's being gracious, oh, not gracious, um, it's having gratitude... Towards what God has done for us. Now let's get into the book of James. We're busy studying James. Let's go to James chapter 2. And I'm going to pick it up from verse 12. It says here, and, and it will be difficult for you to get in with what we say right in the beginning. You'll have to go into the archives and listen to what was said in the previous um, message. So, uh, previous Sunday. And then with this connected with us and the next one, we're going to go right through to James chapter 5. Everything, we're going to run through it, um, but we're just picking up here. It says, So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. So what he's actually saying here, and he comes from a little bit of a law perspective, but it also talks about the liberty that people has through the grace of God. It talks about the liberty that people has because of what God has done for them. Now, it talks about the law of liberty. Let's just look, about, let's look at the law of liberty. In chapter 1, we're going to read um, from verse 23. It says, For if any of you be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself, goes away, and straightway forget what manner of man he was. So, what happens here is it talks about what manner of man. It says somebody that is a doer of the word is somebody who sees how free he is in Jesus Christ and then lives out of that. Now, it says here that God will not have mercy on those that does not have mercy. Uh, But we can be free in knowing that if we are in Jesus Christ, the faith in what God has truly done and being mindful of who you truly are in Jesus Christ will produce mercy. Now, that's a very, very difficult scripture for me to understand. I, I must be honest, I don't know why James used that. I do understand that the, the next part of verse 13 um, that says, and mercy rejoices against judgment. So, what he actually says is that mercy um, is more powerful Judgment, so that when mercy comes, it's more powerful than judgment. But the only way that we will have mercy that is more powerful than judgment is when we are under the ministration of mercy. So you cannot have mercy unless God has been merciful to you. So God has first, first he has shown mercy to you. And if you cannot receive, uh, see who you are in Jesus Christ, and this is basically what uh, James tries to see here, say here, and have faith in what He's done for you, and then he qualifies faith in what is done for you, that the type of faith that really sees who you are in Jesus manifests that. Now, I do believe that. You know, you cannot uh, come to a place where you say, well, I don't need to, I need, I don't need to do something, I just believe God's good. Um, that type of faith isn't true faith. True faith believes in what Jesus has done to the point that you can so much identify yourself with Christ that it brings forth a manifestation in your life. Now You might say, Barthi, but are you then perfect in all your works? No, in all my works that I do in my own life, I find that I've got certain mistakes and those type of things. And I do believe that there's a sin that's unto death, and there's a sin that's not unto death. So, yes, I might have mistakes, but I'm not going to be judged according to my works, for I don't see that work as my salvation. And as I understand more, and that's why why Paul says, why um, Peter says, I want you to grow in the grace of God. I want you to know more about the grace of God. I want you to be... And then he says, so that these and these and these things can happen in your life. Now, what he's actually saying here is that if you say that you understand grace and the unconditional love of God to such a point that you can't even be merciful over a poor man, because the context here is that they were pushing out the poor out of the church. Now, most of us today, um, if you just... Basic, a basic understanding of grace you will experience such a passion in your heart for a poor person, you're not going to push him out of the church. You know. And if that is what is in your life, I want to tell you, go back to square one and go and see what God has done for you. Maybe you are somebody that has been looking into the perfect law of liberty, but you've, you can't remember who you are. Go and look into the law of liberty, remember who you are, and that's the person that will be a doer of the work because what you see there is so powerful that it manifests in your life. He's not trying to say that you must try and work up works. What he's trying to say here is that the law of liberty is so powerful that it will produce the right talk and the right walk. Because here was people that if a rich man does not even say that blasphemes the name of Jesus, would come into the church, they will chase the believer out that is poor. Because those poor people were rich in faith, believing in the unconditional love of God and what Jesus has done for them. They were born of God. Then a rich man comes in and they kick the the, the Christian out. Now, that is not having true faith. That is not looking into the... That's looking into the law of liberty and then forgetting what you saw. Going back to the law basis, the law mentality. So, um, what it's actually saying here is that God has got mercy on those that has got mercy and those that has got mercy are those that believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, uh, you know, let me put it this way, it doesn't help you say, well, I'm going to try and be merciful to people and think that I'm saved now. We're talking about the real thing here, we're talking about a manifestation of grace. Grace. That's what we're talking about. And that's what, it, what we also read, uh, before the worship in Rome, uh, in 2 Corinthians 8. And let me just read it there. It says here, and this is the same principle. He says, I want you to know, uh, what, about this church that was so generous. He says, how that in great trial and affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberty. So it says here that in their great poverty that there was a richness of their liberty and their actions flowed out of that. And he says these people did these things because of the grace of God. So don't think that having mercy is what saves you. What saves you is the faith that even manifests in that. You can't be somebody that says I am born of God, truly born of God and there's no change in your life. It's not true. Don't try to change your life. Get born of God. I want you to hear me and you might say, but this sounds ju- judgmental. Does that mean if I've got a sin that I'm not born of God? No, I'm just talking about the basic thing in your life. A basic thing than just being merciful. You know, I've, I've just been talking to somebody just before the session and um, it's, it's when you've got to sort out certain things, it's as if you are almost too merciful when you are really um, in the message of grace You don't know where to Draw a line You don't know where to say This is enough I want it this way I want it this way You don't know where to stop Because It's just Let's just forgive the guy. Let's just leave it um, And it can't always work like that in, in basic things in this world If you've got a um, A big business running um, and, and I want you to I want to help you with this And this is the conclusion That we came to is If you've got a big business running You've got to have certain things If people step out of line that you can help them. Not with an attitude of, I want to judge you, I want to kick you out. But just basic things like, listen, you're going to come to work. You can't not come to work. You've got to come to work. And things like that. So, uh, the, the thing is, when you are in the message of grace, and this is what I want to say is, that you, man, it's like with me. When when, I, when a beggar comes up to me, I give to him. I can't, it, it i it's as if there's something that I can't not give to him. I feel a, a, a pity for the guy. I feel, man, this guy's struggling. I see what God has given me. And I don't do it out of condemnation. Man, if condemnation must knock at my door when it comes to the poor man, I'll never give. It is a, a compassion of love that flows that I want to give to the man. I give, man, about every time. It's just what's in my heart. If it's a 2 rand or a 5 rand or whatever it's in my, in my heart, I'll give. it it's a 20 rand, I'll do it. Because it's something that's in my heart, I want to do it. Because of the mercy of God. And I'm not going to say, well, I'm going to now give to the beggar so that I can be saved. Man, that is foolishness. We're not saved by our works. We are saved by the faith in Jesus Christ. And I do believe that James would have agreed with us on that point. And this is what he says. He says, God will show mercy to those that have got mercy because mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. And we have triumphed over judgment. We are of this mind. This is what he says in verse 12. Speak ye and do so as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So what he says is, doesn't speak and do as somebody that is perfect in liberty and that's not breaking one of the liberty laws. In other words, not having faith in um, partially mixing it with the law. And that's now out of the previous Sunday. So, you'll have to go and look at that. Now, let's continue. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. What does it profit uh, my brethren? Though a man say he has faith and he doesn't have works, can faith save him? So, what he's talking about here is people That's saying, yeah, you know, I believe that Jesus came and he died, but it's actually talking about a faith that that he that he already discussed at the end of chapter 1 and which is he says a man that doesn't have works is somebody that does not actually believe because he sees it and then forgets it and what he remembers was that he was at the mirror but he can't remember what he saw so it's somebody that sees say I'm a Christian or I'm in the gospel but he cannot remember what the gospel is all about that faith is dead that faith does not profit you so, he says, um, and, and that faith does not profit you in this world. How will it profit you in this world? A faith that says, well, I believe in the name of Jesus, um, but you don't know what it's for, to the point that it can manifest something in this world, is not profitable to you. It means nothing. If I believe, you yeah, you know, um, God, uh, God is a God that prospers us financially, and I cannot receive peace, out of that, God always care for me and I cannot receive peace, what does that faith help me? It helps me nothing. So I must go back and dig into the faith, not into the work, saying, well, I'm going to have peace now. I must go into the law of liberty and see how I've been set free from poverty to the point that I not receive the money, but receive peace because the first thing about wisdom that's from above, it's first peaceable. So you first receive peace and then you will see the manifestation of the finances as well. So at least, Whatever you hear out of the gospel must first produce peace. Amen. I want to say it this way. When you've received peace, that word word has already worked. Amen. So, um, he comes and he says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say that I've got faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Now, that word save, I want to uh, explain to you how I see that word save. I, I, I don't talk, I don't think that that save means save as go into heaven. That save, I do believe, is get him out of the situation where he is. So if you've got faith that says, well, I believe in the name of Jesus, but like we spoke of before the worship, you're very, very stingy, and or you uh, are so worried about finances, that you'll kick the poor man out that he's saved to get the unsaved rich in because your eyes on his money, because that's the context of the scripture. Man, that faith that believes that, That faith cannot save you. It doesn't save you from your problem. But the faith that saves you from your problem is the one that looks deep into how free he is in Jesus Christ and meditates upon that and believes upon that and walks upon that. That's the thing. Then verse 15. If a brother or a sister be naked, this is now explaining it, and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding that you give them Not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? So, what he's actually saying is, faith without works has got the same effect um, as somebody that tells somebody, listen, uh, you know, be warm and go home and don't give him anything. So, what he's actually saying is, if your faith is a faith that cannot produce something, that faith means nothing. He's not putting an emphasis on you better start to do works. The emphasis is on the faith. What do you believe? What do you believe? When, when I got into the message of grace, it produced peace in my heart, produces excitement to share with people. It produced works. It made me study the Word of God. It made me want to tell it to people. It made me forgive easier. That's what it did. I didn't decide to forgive. Forgiveness came into my heart. Because somebody that is a doer of the work is a man that beholds his face in a mirror and can remember what he saw and he continues in the law of liberty. So what he's saying is if you've got faith without works, you're actually not staying in the faith of the liberty that there is in Jesus Christ, but you mix your faith with the law. You're not staying in the, in the message of, of, of liberty. And now that's... People, we are preaching the context of the whole book. You have to go back and listen to everything that we ministered here. Right. Um, Let's go to verse 17. So, even so, if it has not works, it is dead, being alone. So that faith is then dead. It it is like a corpse. It's like um, it looks right. You talk the right thing. You say, yeah, I believe Jesus died for me. But that is what you say. But if you could look into the law of liberty, into what you are saying, Jesus died for me, and you could identify yourself with the death of Jesus, which is in your mouth, which is just mere words that you, that's idle words, that's words that you say without believing it. Um, If you could look into what you are saying, and you could look deep into what you are saying, you'll find that your faith will come alive. But if it's just words, yeah, and I've seen it in, from church to church, I've seen people, you know, God is a good God. God is a God that doesn't doesn't judge us according to our works. God is a God that loves us, man. Yes, on the cross all our sins has been paid for and we are forgiven. Just in the next breath to preach about how you must throw all the things out of your house that might have a demon or a devil assigned to it and I'm talking about like the name gotcha or the... or uh, some of these designer clothes type of things, or just a, even just a cross of Jesus. There are these absurd teachings these days. You know, you know, even the symbol of a circle, or uh, what, you know, this, this symbol, you know, and all this chasing the devil type of things. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, thank you, Jesus. Well, but if you do know what I'm talking about, man, it will make sense to you. Listen, man, you're not into devil chasing. Because the one day you believe God's good, the next day you say, if I don't tithe, then God cannot bless me. Now that is having the faith with partiality. man. That is not believing the whole thing. That's why um, you will find in that area of your life that there will not be a a, a manifestation of generosity. And I've, I've challenged many people, especially in finances. And I said, listen, why do you give? Do you give because you're generous or are you giving to provide a future for yourself financially? And people that, that, that live by the principle of by what I do for God, uh, it, that's going to bless me, um, that they are destitute of generosity. Because what they give has got everything to do with what they must get. What about giving without thinking of getting? What about giving to give away? What about laying down something? Laying down your life for somebody? That only comes out of a deep revelation of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now let's continue. Uh, Verse 19 Thou believest that there is one God you do well and the devils also believe and tremble. Now what he's actually saying is the Jews believed that there was one God but what they believed about Jesus that was the problem. They believed yes there's one God and we believe in the Jewish type of things yes you do good that's not wrong but let me tell you something what you believe must produce something in you. Then he said Um, and please don't hear, and I want to say it again, go and produce something to make your faith genuine. No, no, get the right faith. That's it. And I've said last time, if you believe, if I believe there's a a bomb in this, you know why I sit so peacefully here? It's because I don't believe there's a bomb in here that can explode. That's it. You know why I so peacefully go on now? Because I don't believe that the power's going to go off now. You know, I don't believe that. I believe it's going to continue. I believe this is, everything here is safe. That's why I can peacefully continue with this message. But if somebody tells me there's a bomb in here, and I say, oh, you know there's a bomb in here, then people will look at me and say, sure, there's a bomb in there. Your, your, your faith is dead, man. You don't really believe it. That's actually what it means to say that your faith is dead. You don't believe it. For if I believe there's a bomb in this thing, let me tell you what, we're going to stop the session right now. You know, we're going to sort this bomb out. Then we'll continue with the session and testify about the goodness of God for revealing this bomb or whatever. Let me make sure there's no bomb in here. Uh. Nothing. <laughs> Amen. Right. Uh, let's go to verse 20, 20. But will you know, vain man, that faith without works is dead. Wasn't Abraham, my father, justified by works when he had offered Isaac his own son upon the altar? Now, <laughs> the, the justification that he talks about here, the, is, is, is talking about a result of looking to the law of liberty. So what happens? I look into the law of liberty. I see that I am truly free from fear and I believe it with all my heart then what happens is the justification is the manifestation of the righteousness that I was looking at when I looked into the perfect law of liberty. Perfect law of liberty means is a law that says that you have been perfectly liberated from the law, from sin, from all those type of things, and that you are new in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that in His new life you walk. That's what it means. Now, a lot of churches have got a problem because they want to preach the works but they don't want to preach the, the, the law of liberty to the extent and so I, I want to use the word fiercefully I don't know if that's the right word and forcefully you must mend not, maybe not the right word But hear what I'm trying to say They must preach it in such a magnitude That people can't but see who they are So that the right deeds And justification Manifest in their works So that their faith was not dead But that their faith was perfect Because it was what they believe And manifest Like I can say When it comes to, um, to peace my, my faith is perfect I believe it And I have it Amen Isn't that wonderful? When it comes to miracles, I believe it's perfect because I believe it and we see the power. It has been perfected in the fact that it manifests. But if I see a miracle, it doesn't mean that my faith is right. Because I might might be believing in myself or something else. The fact that somebody prospers financially doesn't mean that he's got everything right when it comes to the Bible. He might be stealing the money. So, the the work is not a proof of something, it's an outflow of something, and that's the context in which we must see this. He said, Was not Abraham, my father, justified by works? Justification, the, the Greek meaning for justification means, it's the manifested righteousness. So, you can't be justified in any other way than in works or in what happens to you. So, he was justified, in other words, he became such a person that he was like God In the sense that he was willing to give his son So he was justified in doing that thing So that means he received the promise God spoke to him, God worked in him, he believed God and through all the things that happened prior to that which was God, which was godly, he believed so much, he had so much faith in who God was that he was willing to give his son with a faith that says God will raise my son from the dead, from the ashes. That's what Abraham believed. Abraham believed that and because of that faith he had the works. But without the faith, without knowing who God is, without any of those things, you will never have that manifestation or that justification in your life. To me, it is not just to walk around sick. It's not just. So I'm justified in the fact that uh, that I walk in health. And I think that's what he's trying to say. He's talking about the completeness of faith. So, and this is supposed to be inspiring, knowing, and we're going to uh, go over to Hebrews now, knowing that faith includes the works, and the works does not come from you. you. You hear this whole thing wrong if you think that you believe in God and you do the works. No, no. You hear the, you hear the Word of God, and it has got power inside it that takes you and manifests work Inside you. And that is your justification. That's what I how I interpret that scripture. And the scripture was fulfilled. Which says. Abram believed God. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So. He believed God. It was imputed to him for righteousness. And then. People could see by what he did. And how God provided for him supernaturally. That he was the friend of God. Amen. So, I believe God it's imputed to me for righteousness. Then, the manifestation of that is seen in my life. I love God so much that I could even go and sacrifice my son. And when it had to happen, God provided supernaturally a ram for me in that situation. God blessed me. He prospered me. And all those type of things that manifest. And then people say, He is truly a friend of God. So, by faith he was made righteous and then the justification part I believe is here is connected to being called a friend of God by people. Amen. Right, 24. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. Now, that sounds wrong but I've just explained it to you. Likewise also, was not Rahab the holler justified by works when she had received the messengers and has sent them out another way? So, um, the work, the works of justification, was connected to her when she did it. So I will be called justified in my works. So I don't believe that uh, um, it, it's the same thing here with Abraham. God first, when Ab- the Bible says there are different places here, and Abraham believed God. And was counted to him for righteousness. Then Abraham was righteous. Then righteous Abraham walked on this earth. And righteous Abraham did things out of the righteousness that he received because he believed God. And out of that strong faith that he had in God, it produced a work. And that work m- made the people call him the friend of God. He was justified. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what he did. You see that how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So what he is talking here, he says, listen: true faith includes life. And as I say this, I can hear how this can sound like. Listen, you better get works to make your faith alive. It's not what it says. True faith has got works. So, if you have got true faith, what is true faith? Identifying yourself truly with what God has done in Jesus Christ for you and looking into that perfect law of liberty. Looking into that perfect law of liberty all the time and then you will find that that faith produces the works. Hallelujah. Now, another thing that I want to say here about the life of Abraham Abraham was justified in his works, like like we see here, but it wasn't the day he met God. He was righteous long before that. There's a difference between righteousness and justification. And go on to the archive, there's a great explanation between righteousness and justification. I think there's two or three messages about that. So, Abraham was made righteous, and then he was justified after that in his works. So, I am made righteous. I stand righteous before God in my finances. And I can say it this way, that for years we've been struggling in the ministry, but I believe that I was righteous. And I continue to believe this. Do you know how many years it was that Abram believed God before he came to this point? His boy was big already. He was already seen as righteous. He has already received the miracle of having a son. And he waited for so long he was already old. God made him a promise. He believed God. And for many years, uh, uh, or years after that, it happened. And then when it happened, um, the boy grew older, and when I guess about 15 or 16 or 10, I don't give a couple of years, he was old enough to carry stuff and help his father. He went up onto the mountain to sacrifice him because he believed in who God was. And out of that faith, he did that, and that was the manifestation of his faith. He, the justification was so big. Um, I mean, he had a right to be so free that he could even sacrifice his son. He was free from everything. He was free from... And, and there are many people that not like that today. You know, uh, having that justification in them. Being so just that nothing is between them and God. That justification came by faith. The justification came by faith. He believed, the justification came, he walked in what God has given him, when he walked in it, that justification was manifested, then he was declared justified. But we can also go to Romans chapter 5. Let's go there. Just to show you how justification is also connected to faith. Um, Romans chapter 5. You have to listen to this a couple of times. It will bless you. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says. Therefore, being justified by faith. Here it says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So, yes, Abraham was justified by works. I'm also justified by works. The first work that justifies me is the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm justified by the work of Jesus. And that work of Jesus manifests in my life showing that I'm justified. That's how I see this. So, Rahab, God spoke to her, God told her, do this, do that. God spoke to Abraham, do this. Abraham, you have already found favor in, in my sight. I'm gonna give you a son. I make you a father of many nations. I do all these things. Then God blessed him with the slaughter financially and all those type of things happen. And then what happens then is, he comes and at the point he, 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 he was so justified before God. I mean, he had the justification already in him. And then it manifested in his works. And then he was called the friend of God. He was made righteous by faith. And his justification was manifested in what he did. Hallelujah. And then people say, truly, this is a friend of God. Amen. Abraham was called the friend of God. Right. Uh, um, For as the body... Without the Spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we will receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Here he comes and he says, Don't don't let many of you be teachers of the word, because you'll receive a stricter judgment. That's not from God, that's from people people will judge you because there's going to be somewhere, something, that you're going to say sometime that is not right. So here he says, he actually says, there's times we're going to say something wrong. Don't many be teachers. But then he says, it ought not to be so if you continue. And he talks about the power of the tongue and and what happens when you teach and and the power of all those things. But I, I don't want to get into all of that. What I want to say is just this. In James chapter 1, let's go through chapter 1 and chapter 2. I think chapter 2 is the most difficult one, but chapter 1 comes. He says, I'm a servant of God. Um, count not all joy when you fall into different trials, temptations, knowing that um, those things are not from God. If you need any wisdom, He will give it to you. He will help you. Then it says, if you are drawn away, you are drawn away by your own lust and your own desire, but that's not from God. Put away all these things from your life by knowing who you are in God and by continuing to look into that because that will manifest who you truly are so that you will not walk this life of defeat. And I want to say that to you as well. If you walk in a life of defeat, man, go and look into the law of liberty. Continue to look in there. Continue to walk in that. Continue to have faith and you'll see your justification. You might have walked in faith for a long time to see the justification like Abraham. The, The Bible says, through faith and patience we enter into the promise. There might be things in your life that you struggle with. Continue to believe that you are righteous. Continue to walk in that. Listen to this. Just listen to this. He says, "If you be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholds himself, goes away, and straightway forget what manner of man he was. But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds." That blessed in his deeds is the, is the, is the justification. So I want to say this. If you come and you say, I believe and I continue in the law of liberty, that man, will be a doer of the work. You'll be a doer of the gospel of grace. What is a doer of the gospel of grace? He's a believer of the gospel of grace. What's a doer of the law of liberty? He is a believer of the law of liberty. He's a doer of that work. And he will be blessed in his deeds, justified. That's where justification comes in. Let me go through it again. It's important. But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues to look into the perfect law of liberty, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. What work? John chapter 6, 28's work. Lord, what shall we do to work the works of God? Believe on Him whom, whom He has sent. So, if you look into the perfect law of liberty, and you continue in it, you continue in it, then you, and you believe it with all your heart, you are a doer of the work that God has told you to do, to believe on Jesus. Okay? And this man, shall be blessed in his deeds. Talking about the manifested work. You'll be blessed in your deed, and that is your justification. Your justification is to be blessed in what you do. It's a blessing to give to the poor. It's more blessed to give than, than to receive. It's a blessing to walk in love. It's a blessing to forgive. But the only way you're going to be blessed in what you do, or justified in what you do, is by continuing to do the work, which is to believe on what Jesus has done for you freely, and to look into that over and over and over, and to continue in that, then you'll be blessed in your work, in your deeds. So here yeah, Abraham was justified not just by believing uh, this thing once type of thing, and it was the context here is faith that just says, "Yeah, I believe it," but not really continuing to look into it. So if Abraham was not justified by just. Looking into the law of liberty once, but by continuing to look into that all the time. He looked into that when he, with his son, when he, when Sarah was barren, he looked into that. He continued to look into that. And he continued, and then he was blessed in everything he did. Even when the greatest thing came his way, when he was tested, you might say, oh, but you know, God tested Abraham. Yes, Abraham was not under the New Testament covenant he was still under a law mentality. You might say, but Abraham was not under the law. Yes, he was. After Adam the law, uh, uh, death reigned. And the ministration of death was written down on stones. But that ministration of death was all, also in his heart. You know, in Abraham's time you don't take another man's wife. There was a law that said you don't do that. That's just the way it worked. Um, it was not written on stones yet. But it was already in the heart of Abraham. That law system reigned already. Death reigned. So, uh, here was Abraham under that system. You had to qualify to be blessed. You had to. That's just the way it worked. And there was a test for Abraham. And God tested Abraham. And Abraham passed the test. How? Because he's, in his works, he could pass the test. Why? Because he was found righteous believing. That's with a Christian. That's why it says there's no law against someone... That is under grace Because it produces The right thing Hallelujah So How will you produce The right thing Well just try harder Bertie What nonsense Don't try harder To live holy Look into the law Of liberty Don't forget What kind of man you are And as you continue To do that You are doing the work You are supposed to do The work you must do Is by looking into How free you are In Jesus That's the work And then you will be Blessed in your deeds And that's called your justification. Right. Hallelujah. Now I think we've, we've done enough for today. We've got enough material out now that you can go and meditate and think upon this. So I'm going to pray for you. Remember the meeting um, right, off, uh, uh, r- right afterwards here. I will not be there but Elise will be there. Man, join in there. It will be awesome. It's going to be nice to hear this. And then we're going to go to chapter 3 and 4, 5 in the next 2, 3 Sundays. So... If you want to pray for us, pray for us while we are in Zambia and I just believe that it's going to be blessed. If you need any prayer right now, put your hand where your sickness is, place what, whatever desire you have before God and we'll pray for you right now. Father, I thank You that I can stretch forth my hand to everybody that watches me right now all over the world. I speak the freedom of God. I say continue to look into the law of liberty. You will experience justification in your works. Hallelujah. By that work, you will see I'm justified just as if I've never sinned, I can be completely obedient because of what God has done. I can have the nature of God in me. I can have that financial prosperity. I can be blessed. I declare everybody blessed. Everybody, if you've done good or bad, you are blessed of God. Believe it with all your heart. Look into how free you are. You are blessed of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you that you've joined me in Web Church today. What an honor to serve you with a message of grace. God bless you.